What more can one say? This is game seven. All right, who doesn't love an inconsistent recording schedule, right? Uh, we, again, sorry for the, uh, for the delay. We like to record uh, usually on Sundays, but we were a little delayed. We had celebrations for our brother's birthday. I was out of town visiting a friend, and it just didn't get done. And then when I got home, I realized that we went over our monthly limit, so I couldn't actually record at home. But all that sorted out. I got my internet back, so Jordan and I, once again, are back here for episode 14 of the Little Hockey Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Uh, we got a pretty good show lined up for you, as always, or a pretty mediocre show, as always. Um, as always, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at Little Hockey Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Be sure to rate and review us. Any five-star reviews we will read on the show. Haven't had some in a little while, and uh, we miss them. We miss hearing the, hearing the fans and hearing what people actually think about us. So go off and do that, and we'll read it on the show. But for now, Jordan, let's just jump right into things and talk about everyone's least favorite Western Conference team making it to the Stanley Cup final. Oh, yeah, I imagine it's a lot of people's least favorite team. Like, for, for me, it's it's – it's definitely far from my preferred team to make the the finals. It's it's a bummer to see Vegas go out, and it was especially a bummer to see um, Colorado go out. But um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how Dallas does in their first uh, Stanley Cup Finals appearance in twenty years. So that that'll be uh, pretty cool. So it, it's you know it's kind of a return to what uh, I grew up with with. Uh, the Dallas Stars being in the cup final. They used to be like one of the three juggernauts and or three or four juggernauts in the league. And they've kind of um, faded into irrelevance um, over the last 20 years, basically. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, you know, I had other teams that I was hoping would get here. Yeah, I would have really liked to see the Vegas Golden Knights in the cup final for the second time in their three-year existence. But correct me if I'm wrong, the last time Dallas was in the cup final, the year 2000, that was the Brett Hall foot in the crease goal, right? No, that was the year before, 99. Dallas made it two straight years. Okay. So in 2000, was that uh, Detroit winning the cup? No, Detroit was in the Western Conference then. Oh, yeah, so was Dallas. So who won it in 2000? Uh, I be- yeah, I believe it was New Jersey. Okay, because I know they won two or three cups during the late 90s, early 2000s, correct? Because yeah. it, like New- it was like either going to be New Jersey, Colorado, or Detroit in that time span. Yeah, and then for like three years, Dallas was in there as like a, a, another one of the super teams. Um, 
but uh, yeah, for for like six or seven years, the only real threat to the Western Conference was the New Jersey Devils. Um, yeah, and and prime Martin Broder. Yeah, prime Martin Broder, um, uh, Patrick Eliash, Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer, Jamie was Lane, that one runner before? That's when they were doing the trap, right? Jersey. Yeah, that that was when New Jersey um, made uh, or ruined hockey and used the trap <laughs> to uh, win a Stanley Cup, and then everybody else copied them. And then it, yeah, that, uh, hockey was boring and unwatchable, except that's when I grew up watching it and I loved it. Yeah, it's crazy how uh, nostalgia goggles can kind of cloud some of those games. Eh? You go to try and rewatch some oh, of them today, man. and so they're some just... Some of them are hard to watch, yeah. Uh, but uh, with Dallas making the cup final and with a lot of arguably better teams getting kicked out so early, it raises the the question that everyone kind of had going into this thing. Would Dallas have made this if COVID never happened? In my opinion, no, straight up. No. Yeah. I'm on the same boat. I don't think that the Dallas stars had the regular season ended in April and the playoffs started right away. I don't think Dallas would be here. Um, I think that the, the, pause did a lot of good things for them I, they probably had a lot of in- injuries like the fact that ben bishop has played like 15 minutes of a game uh, since uh, basically march it's uh it kind of goes to show how banged up they may have been and um that that definitely helped them out a lot um and it probably gave their coaching staff especially with the um like the mini training camp everybody got the coaching staff got a chance to actually um, implement a system by the looks of it versus when they were uh, struggling throughout February and then the in, into mid-March. Uh, it's definitely, in my mind, I don't think the Stars get anywhere near this far if uh, the season had ended in like typical fashion. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you there. It's kind of weird because... Going into the thing, we thought it'd be a really competitive playoffs because teams would be fully healthy. You could make the argument, and I don't think there's not really much of an argument, it's more so of a fact, that teams were at their best coming into this. Everyone was healthy. Spart, uh, obviously taking away one or two players. But for the most part, every single team had all their best players. And with that, you expect, okay, well, whoever's the best – team on paper is going to make it right so you'd think okay Dallas and or sorry Tampa and Vegas Tampa in the east Vegas in the west and seeing the way that Dallas just toyed with their food with Vegas it was insane like Vegas dominated most of those games but Dallas never really looked like they weren't gonna win like that's weird to say and it's really weird to try and put into words how I'm how I thought about this series. But as soon as I saw that Dallas won the first game in a shutout, I said, okay, they're winning the series. Doesn't matter how good Vegas looks. Doesn't matter uh, how many leads Vegas is going to have. Dallas is going to win because they just are. Obviously, Anton Hudobin, got to give him huge props. He's been unreal this series. But it's just the weirdness that has been this 2020 playoffs. As soon as I saw Dallas win that first game, I thought it I, in my mind, I just went, all right, they're, win- they're winning the series because that's just how it's going to go. Yeah, um, 
I, I saw some quotes from some of the Vegas players today that um, they think that their their offensive mojo might have been stymied a bit in that last round series against uh, the couple games against Thatcher Demko when they could not score on him. Uh, they said that they lost some of their confidence there, and then going up against the uh, like basically the brick wall that is the Dallas Stars, they uh, they they just couldn't do anything. Um, they couldn't get anything running. They couldn't um, get the offense that they're used to imposing on other teams. They couldn't get that going, and now they're going home because of it. So um, you know. The old adage of defense wins championships. Um, as much as we may not want it to be true because it doesn't make for a super great entertainment, um, at least if it's not your team that's doing it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it sucks for Vegas, but also, you know what? They can't be too upset. Their team is three years old and they've gotten out of the first round every single um season so far and they've they've had a cup finals appearance a uh conference finals appearance and then a second round appearance last year so like they can't be too upset they're pretty successful i thought vegas got kicked out in the first round last year by san jose uh well first round second round whatever they made the playoffs they're an expansion team (laughs) yeah and that's fair like that's that's um it's quite an accomplishment in and of itself. Like I remember that first year, like there was no villain in the 2018 cup final, right? You either didn't mind if Vegas won because it was the first year of an expansion team. Some people really hated it, but for the most part, people thought it was fun. And on the other side, you had Ovi and with Vegas it's just kind of been this trip. Like I know personally, I think Vegas has been one of the bright spots of hockey in the last, They've only been in the league three years, but in the last 10, Vegas has been one of the biggest highlights when it comes to the NHL and when it comes to hockey as a sport. They've been really fun. They've made an immediate impact. Um, it completely changed the landscape of the league as soon as they finished the entry draft because of all those crazy deals that were made. And then after those crazy deals and all, Vegas got all those first-round picks, they then had all these um, – league bottom six players turn into top line players and it's just been fun they've played with this attitude of we're good and we're going to show you we're good for the last few years and it just seems like anyone who goes there revitalizes their career and just has a blast doing it and that makes it really fun to watch them and it makes it really fun to follow them and cheer for them it's unfortunate that they ran into dallas who if you're not from dallas you don't give any crap about but it is what it is yeah, yeah, I agree with uh, pretty much everything you have to say about Vegas. Like, the, there's a handful of um, cities in the NHL that I want to go see a game in, and Vegas is definitely one. Um, so uh, I'm going to enter court. Sorry, quick story. Uh, I was during Christmas time. I was in Vegas for a wedding for one of my oldest friends' wedding, and there was an. Uh, I believe it was Arizona, Vegas, Arizona game. And we almost skipped going to the Vegas strip on the day of his wedding to go to that Vegas game. We were seriously considering it. Cause we were all just like, man, that'd be so fucking fun. Oh yeah. Like I, I had a, uh, a trip after uh, I graduated from college in 2015 
um, a bunch of us, it, it was like a study abroad trip. So it was part of our program. It was just after we had already graduated. Um, we went down to Florida for a week to spend some time at the IMG Academy and a bunch of us bought tickets for um, the Lightning and Canadians playoff series. So we saw the Lightning eliminate the Montreal Canadians from the playoffs in 2015. And that was one of the best hockey games I've ever been to. I, I don't remember the score. I don't remember anybody. Like, I, I don't remember the actual game itself. I remember the, uh, the atmosphere in the arena. It was a ton of fun. It was really cool to be like a neutral fan in the building. Most of us were cheering for Tampa Bay because like... Um, ABC. Yeah, it I, I went to school at Humber College, so a lot of the, the the people that I went with were from Toronto, so they were Leafs fans. I think there was only one guy that was there that was a Habs fan, and we were all just giving him shit the whole time. But um, yeah, it it was a ton of fun. The arena is pretty cool. Their jumbotron is massive. It's like the size of the rink, or it, it's, yeah, it's the size of the ice pad. It's nuts. It, it's absolutely huge. Um, the Tesla coils are super awesome. Like it. It, uh, you know, being in Ottawa and going to games here, like holy shit, it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, like the, yeah. There's no atmosphere in the building. Everyone sits on their hands. Like it, it's different during the playoffs, obviously. And I haven't been to a playoff game in Ottawa since like the Battle of Ontario days, I think. But um, you know, just the the nature of the owner not wanting to put money into anything. It really, it really shows in the game day experience, unlike some of these other places. And that's why like, I think Vegas has got to be on the top of most hockey fans list on a, a, uh, a road trip destination to go see a game. It doesn't even have to be like to watch your team as much as I'd like to see the Leafs play in Vegas. Like I know that those tickets are going to, you know, be the, the equivalent of like event. first and last month rent type thing but <laughs> not to but, mention the travel fare to get there yeah exactly but uh yeah so so it, it is sad to see vegas go out um uh best of luck to whoever plays against dallas because i'd really hate for the the stars to win the cup and then have everybody copy them and play this defensive style that you know i don't really have any interest in watching I don't think that'll be an issue this year. I think a lot of teams understand that this is just a weird playoffs. And I think a lot of these better teams that just got out earlier than they arguably should have, I think they're just going to write it off. I don't think anyone's going to put as much um, thought and um, I guess weight towards this playoffs that they've done in the past. I know everyone coming into this has been like, yeah, it's the playoffs. Like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But then as any team and all the players talk about after they leave the bubble, they're like, yeah, that was not the same. Yeah. And right? yeah, that's a fair point. So we'll, we'll see how much of an impact um, it has if the stars win. Um, yeah. So in some other news today, it was announced that Peter Laviolette, um, former coach of the uh, Nashville Predators, has signed on with the Washington Capitals to be their coach. Uh, he signed a three-year contract today. Um, how do you feel about that one, Keeks? I'm surprised it's not Babcock. Uh, I, think Bab the I think Babcock was, one, too expensive. 
And two, I don't think he would have been right for their group. It, it's really hard to tell. Like, I don't think veteran players like Babcock because of like the, the kind of shit that he pulls, his like power plays type thing where he, he tries to be like the big dick in the room. Yeah. But it also seems to not work with young guys either because they're like, oh, this guy's just an asshole. Um, yeah, Bab- Babcock kind of seems like he's – he needs to change a lot about his coaching style and his just people skills, it kind of seems like, uh, if he wants to get a head coaching job in the league again. But when it comes to price, I mean, he's, it, guaranteed, it, he's guaranteed $5 million from the lease for, like, the next couple of years, right? Yeah, so he's got the security where he can just take his time and find the right thing and – that's the other thing too, is that if uh, Washington had picked up Babcock in his contract, like he'd be making more money per year for more years than Laviolette just signed for. Well, yeah, but with the contract that would happen would be like the Leafs would have to agree to the contract and Washington would pay some of it and Leafs would pay the other. Similar to what happened with um, uh, Quenville in Chicago. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, what could have I, I happened was, was I like the new team had to pick up the whole thing type thing. So no, yeah, no, so it's I, part of I it. I guess in that case, it would have been some, some savings for the capitals. Um, well, yeah, but that's, that's the thing. Like the Leafs had to agree to it. So the capitals yeah. couldn't be like, yeah, we'll pay him a hundred thousand dollars and you guys pay him 4.9 mil. The Leafs could be like, uh, no fuck off. Yeah. And you don't get them. Right. And that could have been part of it. Right. Complications in that. And with Babcock, Still somewhat fresh. I guess I shouldn't say fresh off. It's almost been a full year since he was fired from the Leafs now. Um, yeah, but but I was like... It has been. It's been 10 months since he's been it, fired it, from the Leafs. It has been, but I think... like La- The thing is, Laviolette was let go because of team performance, right? Versus... Which like, you can Matt argue Matt is the Trump. coach's... Like, that's, the, that's on the coach. You can argue. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. But it can also just be like, hey, the, the players that we have now aren't uh, the right kind of players for the system that you have. Or there's also just a case of you've been here too long. <laughs> the, the players, yeah. the, the players yeah. ti- are tired of seeing your face and hearing your voice every day. We just need somebody new. Even if their message is the same, we just need a new face delivering the message. That's all. Yeah. Uh, and apparently that, you know, sometimes that's just all it takes. But with Babcock, it seemed like there was just like the players didn't fucking like him. <laughs> and then yeah, the, the other players and Franzen about that. Yeah. The players around the league also seem to have like been hearing some of that chatter too. And they're like, we don't want him here either. So, you know, Fuck this guy. Yeah. I think Peter Laviolette may have had some of that earlier in his career and he's maybe figured out a way to, uh, um, curb a bit of that personality or his style, but um, yeah, it, I I think overall it, it'll be a good signing. It'll be interesting to see what Washington can do with another veteran coach. This is only the second coach that uh, Ovechkin's had in his career that has had previous NHL coaching experience. Yeah, Washington really really didn't like paying their coaches, and often would just. Be like, hey, you, AHL guy, give it a shot and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And people wonder why it took Ovi over 10 years to win a cup. He didn't have a proper fucking coach for most of it. Well, you say that, but one of his coaches was also Bruce Boudreaux, 
who is yeah who one, who, who always loses game seven. Yeah, but he's one of the winningest coaches in NHL history, and he's only been doing it for like ten years in the NHL. Yeah, and he's never won a cup. Yeah, the, but that that's fine though. Like, it's uh, it, it's hard to win in the playoffs, definitely, but it's also hard to put up fifty win seasons every year. <laughs> yeah, that that's a fair point, I guess. Yeah. One guy that I heard was in the final three and i kind of thought was a better fit was gerard gallant the former vegas head coach uh, he's he's too much of like a coach's or sorry of a player's coach by the sounds of it well yeah it's um, it's i guess it seems like washington management wants someone that's going to kind of whip the whip everyone into shape and gallant's not that kind of yeah he, that kind of coach sorry yeah they it from the chatter around the league it sounds like they were looking for somebody that could like light a fire under the players or like push their buttons whereas Gallant is kind of like the hey guys come on let's go do all the fun stuff right let's go have fun Uh, obviously like I don't know him personally or anything but yeah he's the guy that the players are like yeah we we like him and we enjoy him being here so we'll play well for him whereas what they needed from their management's perspective was somebody to come in and start, you know, throwing some Gatorade jugs around the dressing room when they're down two nothing after the first or something. Then they should have gotten Patrick wall. (laughs) Yeah. But they also need somebody that knows how to coach hockey too. And he doesn't know how to do that. (laughs) No, he just knows how to yell a lot and get very angry. Yeah. Why aren't you playing better? How do I play better by playing better? Yeah. Hey, goalies, why don't you just stop more pucks like I do? (laughs) Oh, hey, yeah, Patrick Waugh. I'm sorry. I'm not Patrick Waugh. I can't just do that. Hey, uh, Patrick Waugh, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, Um, yeah, Do you you have any other thoughts on Laviolette? Not too much. I'm not too familiar with his style or anything like that. Um, You know, he was in Nashville for a while. I know he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit well he's been around for a long time like he was with philly before that and i'm sure there was some other teams too like i i feel like he's been in the league since like the late 90s early 2000s i just can't think of what other teams he's coached no he's one of those guys where whenever i hear he gets a new job i'm like oh yeah him what has he done like what is what what does he do again (laughs) like barry trotz you know what he does he's a defense a very good defensive system coach. Uh, Mike, Mike Babcock, you know that he really likes his guys to back check and he's really about playing a team game and uh, evening out minutes. He's not one of those guys who rides his star players like you probably should in today's game. Um, you know, even newer coaches like DJ Smith has an identity where he gets his guys to forecheck really hard and if they mess up the forecheck, get back and make sure you play a very team defense. But with Peter Laviolette, I have no idea what his coaching style is. I just know that he's a decent coach. He's been in the league for a long time. Yeah, I'm just looking at his at a, his wiki page here, and now that I'm reading about it, I do remember him coaching the Islanders. Um, I don't. Oh yeah, no, that like you were young then. It was like uh, it was a while ago. We was. 2002 by the looks of it because his New York Islanders lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round of the playoffs. 
Um, and that that was an absolutely brutal series. Like, was that the Alexi Yashin New York Islanders? Um, that might have been Yashin's first year with them, I think. First yeah. or second depends on when Jason Spezza was drafted. I think he was drafted two thousand two, either two thousand two or two thousand one. He was yeah. drafted second overall behind Kovalchuk. Yeah, um, it may not have been. I don't think Yashin was there yet, um, but like. Michael, I think that was the series where Darcy Tucker took the uh, like the low hit to uh, Michael Pekka's knees and just absolutely ruined him. Oh, okay. Yeah, it it was a seven game series and it was just rough. It was it was a, a battle. Brutal, yeah, it was a an outrageous battle. And then he went to the Hurricanes, and then the Flyers, Predators, and then now the Capitals. So did he win the Cup with the Hurricanes? No, that was um, uh, oh shit, did he? Could that that would explain why he's still in the league. Two thousand six. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Okay. Well, that explains to me why he gets four million dollars a year. He won a cup a decade yes. and a half ago. Yeah, he coached the U.S. men's Olympic hockey team in two thousand six and won the Hurricanes their cup that same year. Cam Ward won the Hurricanes the Cup that year. Peter Laviolette just happened to be the coach. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. But I think we've talked enough about uh, a coach for a team that neither of us cheer for. Yeah. Let's no, get I, into – Yeah, just overall, I think it'll be good for them and it'll be interesting to see because by the looks of it, teams typically have a pretty um, significant uptick in performance in the first year or two that Laviolette's there. And then after that, you kind of see some uh, diminishing returns on it. Is it like Guy Boucher where they'll make the conference final in the first year then miss the playoffs the next two? Um, maybe not quite that extreme, but uh, along the same lines. All right. Well, at least they have a bit more to look forward to than Audit Sense fans did. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Sense, um, I got some very sad news as a Sense fan. I think we touched it in our last episode, but... Um, an official announcement was released after uh, Mark Borowiecki has made it made it public that he intends to try out free agency come uh, October 9th. I believe that's when free agency is. Cause I think the draft is the sixth and seventh. That's correct. And with that, I mean, I understand it. I really do. Mark Borowiecki is a new dad. And with the skill and the prospects on the left side for Ottawa, like you look at Shabbat, Brandstrom, and Willannon, there isn't much of a fit for him, and he wants a consistent role. And with Ottawa being on the up and up like they are, he's already like their sixth or seventh defenseman. But he can go to a cup-contending team and be a sixth defenseman pretty consistently. So... Uh, like he can go to Toronto, go on the play on the right side, like he has done a couple of times here in Ottawa, and be the grit that you guys need in the back end. Um, I've seen some people talk about the Islanders could really use a guy like him because he's a cheap defenseman who can play defense relatively well, and he's really worked on his offensive game. You know, moving the puck, taking shots, taking smarter shots. It's just the intangibles that he brings of being just one of the best human beings you could ever imagine and being just really, really progressive in his views, 
as well as just the, a tremendous natural leader, I can't help but be obviously be very sad that he won't be here to help mentor some of our younger players. But at the same time, he's got to look out for himself and his kid before he looks out for an organization, right? I understand it. I'm not mad at him for leaving. I, I completely get it. It's just, you know, Mark Borowiecki was a hometown guy and seen another fan favorite leave. And it just, it kills me. This one's not as bad because he's, he's just doing it because he's looking for out for his family, but it's still just like, fuck, another guy is gone. And if Craig Anderson retires, that 2017 team that made it to the conference final is completely gone. No one will remain. Uh, that's not true. What do you mean it's not true? Yeah, you'll, you'll still have Bobby Ryan. Oh, shit, right, Bobby Ryan. Um, I can't believe I forgot about Bobby Ryan. Damn. Yeah, I can't believe that either. He's your high, our second highest paid player this season. Uh, coming, yeah, when 2020-2021 starts, he'll be the second highest when Shabak gets his extension. Yeah, yeah, when that kicks in. Um, yeah, I, I think you kind of touched on it there, Geeks. Like, I, I'd be open to Borowiecki coming to Toronto. Um, if he was he, a right-handed shot defenseman? Or right-handed even, shot, I Even still, I think... Um, I don't necessarily think he's a significant upgrade on like Martin Marincin, but that's I think, that hurts. I that, think that's just that's just the reality. Martin, like neither of them are positive possession players, right? the The thing that Martin Marincin does really well is stops the other team from gaining the Leafs zone. Um, so Mark Borowiecki has a different skill set. Yes. He's a lot more physical. You know, that's kind of a, a huge hit on, um, well, not a huge hit because he doesn't lay any of them, but, uh, you know, a, a, a big uh, negative on Marincin is that he's huge. He's massive. But he doesn't use his body at all, right? And, like, I, I don't mean laying out massive open ice hits or anything, but even just using your size when you're battling for a puck along the boards or something, it's it's frustrating to watch somebody that size not use it um and Borvietsky's the kind of guy that would do it and the Leafs need some some players that are going to um punish the other team's forwards for coming into the corners and down below the the net and the goal line um I don't think like he's not fixing any of the Leafs problems I think he he could potentially be like a um you know fringe mentor yeah, well, a fringe sixth, uh, sixth uh, defenseman. So he'd probably sit out half the games, and it's it's just not the, you know, you you don't give that to or you don't have a player for that role and sign them to like a th- two or three year contract worth over a million dollars per season, right? So it I, as much as I might like to see him play for the Leafs and like there's a part of me that would uh I I just don't see a fit there really but all, all that being said it it still boggles my mind that Ottawa wouldn't just bring him back it's not going to cost them a lot the like the most valuable thing that they have to give him is you know you could do a toss-up between um you know top six minutes or uh so $1.8 million, right? <laughs> Which one of those is more valuable to the Senators right now? 
I don't think that they have enough NHL ready prospects that they're, that he's going to be pushing out a younger player. And I don't think Melnick has enough money that he's really ready to give Borbietsky guaranteed 1.8 million for like the next three years. So it, it sucks, but you know, I, I really wish he, he was sticking around with the senators and like in the community, because like you said, he, he does seem like a really, really good guy and it does really suck to have to lose him. Um, you know, from he, what I've, from what I've gathered, he's made it very clear that this decision is not based on the senator's organization undervaluing him or lowballing him or anything like that. This is purely like, like we got to remember, he's like 31, right? And he, he's like a fringe defenseman on most Yeah, like teams this is the too. last contract he's probably ever going to get. You're absolutely right. Like he has, he has to make his big money now relative to what he's been making his whole career. So, yeah, yeah, I think he was on like 1.1 mil or something like that with Ottawa. Yeah, and when you're going on one or two year deals every time you sign something, when you get when you finally get to free agency, yeah, you've you've got to go out and try to um, make all the money you can. So by all means, absolutely go out and do that. It just sucks that uh, the Senators team is going to be losing out on him as a personality and uh, as a leader as a leader and now he's really really blossomed into a a, a local favorite too because a lot of people i've been seeing online like especially the people who were um lamenting his position in the uh the lineup just a couple seasons ago a lot of those people have changed their tunes now saying like yeah his on ice results aren't great but he does bring love them things off the ice and it's gonna suck to not have that anymore yeah yeah, I wish him no ill will. I wish him nothing but the best, and I'll be sad to see him go because it seems like a almost a guarantee that he will be gone. But I, I hope he goes. I hope he gets the the money and the years that he's looking for to support his family. And I hope that in the off season he returns to Ottawa. And I hope when he's done his career, he at least returns to the city. It'd be great just to see him around and see him on Instagram. Go to places like the Carp Creamery again. I saw him go there on Instagram a couple of times and just, just knowing that a guy like that is in your community, just, it makes you feel better about where you live. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? So I wish you the best on the ice and I hope off the ice, you still continue to do everything you do in your home and my home here in Ottawa. Yep. But with all that out of the way, let's get into a little bit more leaf centric and a little bit more Arizona centric somewhat so uh, yeah. the arizona oh sorry yeah the, I'll, I'll introduce it here geeks the coyotes sure, go for it the coyotes re-signed goalie aiden hill i believe that's how you say his name um add in yeah add in, in, add in. It, you know it is spelled h-i-l-l so i assume that's how you pronounce it uh, oh yeah sure <laughs> that's what we're discussing um yeah he signed to a one-year one-way contract which uh kind of signals the end of the Ranta Kemper um, duo in Arizona. So yeah, it it looks like at least one of those guys is going to be moved. And I was looking at, um, you know, their contracts and their stats and their age and stuff. And I'm like, holy smokes, these guys are basically the same goalie. Yeah. They are both very good. eh? Like, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, 
Kemper, his career save percentage is uh, 918, and Ranta's is 921. So they're separated by like three decimal points there. Yes, yeah. Three one hundredths of a uh, percentage. (laughs) (laughs) And then their goals against average for their career Kemper is a 246 and Ranta is a 240. So like they're so close and Kemper is 30, Ranta's 31. It's it's nuts how similar they are. It's it's just really their contract that differentiates them and then it I wanted to Barely ask does you, that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you um should the Senators or Leafs either team try to acquire either of these guys cuz Darcy Kemper, um, he's got a he signed for this coming season and the following one. His uh, average or his cap hit is four point five million, and his actual salary for this coming season is three million, followed by five and a half. And then Ranta, his cap hit is four and a quarter million, but his actual real money salary is four million. So it's it's. So- Kind of interesting there how their contracts are set up that uh, at least for this coming season, they're both making less money than their actual cap hit, which uh, is good for most teams in the league because yes. of the yeah because of the economic uncertainty that uh, COVID nineteen has created. So yeah, it, yeah. At, at this point, teams care less about cap hit and more about real money. Yeah. So yeah, well, what do you think from a Sens fan perspective about acquiring either of these goalies? Uh, don't. Just straight up don't. Why is that? There's... One of them is here for one more year. The other one is signed for a season after this next one. Both Anders... are, are pretty um, inexpensive. And keep in mind, Anders Nilsson didn't finish last season because of post-concussion symptoms. And if the season starts up in January he hasn't skated potentially for 10 months uh here's the thing I have to say for that we're not contending for a cup next season no but so it doesn't fucking matter okay but you also don't want to just have some fucking guy wearing pads as your goalie either you've got a young team that are going to be learning and you don't want them to be afraid to make mistakes when they try something um when they try like skilled plays or creative plays either like yeah that's what marcus hogberg is for yeah i don't think he's like you also don't want to throw him to the wolves either if he's out there if you've got a a young inexperienced goalie behind a young inexperienced team somebody's going to lose confidence and just break they're not going to be able to handle it right sure and that, Uh, that that's going to negatively affect their development so that's why you that's why you toss in a handful of veterans that can uh you know they can make those responsible plays and then let the younger skilled guys kind of go out and try things without the the without having to necessarily worry about the uh the huge consequences of oh if I if I fuck this up, then I'm gonna leave Hogberg out to dry here, and he's gonna look like an asshole, <laughs> not necessarily me. Yep, I completely understand all of that, and I hear what you're coming from. Uh, we can get a veteran goalie without having to spend the assets that 
would require getting someone of the Kemper and Ranta's caliber because we don't need that caliber of goalie yet. And by the way that our younger guys have been developing, we may have a guy who can turn into that caliber relatively soon. I mean, Hogberg, we talk like he's this young guy. He's turning 26. Like, he's not that much younger than uh, Kemper. He's only four years. I mean, you, yeah, a lot can happen in four years. But I, I just – this is one of the things I've seen a lot of people saying. Like, Ottawa needs to go out and get this goalie or that goalie. Apparently, a lot of sense fans want to get Matt Murray, which is just yeah, a, no. I think that's an awful mistake. idea. I think it, that that's a mistake for the Leafs too. Uh, yes, I think it's a mistake for anyone that's going to pay anything more than a second round pick. But in fairness, the way that like if you're looking at trading draft picks for players this off season, um, the value of those picks may be different because of how deep the draft is seen to be. Um, yes. And also the amount of goalies available is going to drive the price down too. Yeah, so you could you could see a lot of uh, starter potentials or potential starting goalies uh, getting traded for a lot less than we've seen in the past. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with that. Um, Ottawa doesn't need to go and acquire one of these guys or someone of their caliber just yet. This yeah. is very much a play the kids and see what they have year for Ottawa. I think uh, we got to know what guys like Logan Brown, Rudolph Balsers, uh, Christian Wolanin, and a few others. We need to see if they can make that jump now. And I think we need to look at guys like Hogberg, and they'll probably throw in Joey Decord a, th- a few times as well just to kind of see where they are and see if they can handle it. Like, yeah, Nielsen has had, concuss- had concussion issues and he'll be coming into the season cold. But again, we don't need him to be – a 920 starting goalie because we're still trying to figure out what we are as a team. All we're trying to do next year is not finish in the bottom five. And I'd even, I, well, I'd even argue that bottom five is probably if Ottawa can finish like fifth last, they're probably happy. Yeah. hundred percent. So if that's what, if that is the lowest of, okay, we're satisfied then don't go spend all these assets on a goalie that you're only going to have for next year, like Auntie Ranta. Kemper, yeah, you'll have him for two seasons. But even then, let some other playoff team, like the Leafs or someone else, spend all that assets for him. And then you keep all your valuable assets. And then if you do shit the bed next year, oh, look, it's another decent draft and you have all your picks. You still have all your young guys as well that you can move for other pieces. There are more pressing issues for Ottawa than their goaltending right now. Their biggest one is they need to get a couple of veterans uh, probably in the forward position just to insulate the young guys like you were mentioning. But when it comes to getting a like this elite cup contending starting goalie, like Kemper's 30. By the time Sens, the Sens players around him are ready to compete for a cup, he'll be in his mid-30s. You really want to spend all those assets for a great goalie that's going to maybe make you a bubble playoff team? No, it's not worth it. What I would say to that is that out of the two of them, I think Ranta would make more sense for Ottawa. Because it's one year. Because it's one year and they could flip him at the deadline, right? Sure. Absolutely. You, you send them to a, a playoff contending team that's looking for some support and net, and then they can probably get more, or they can at least get what they back get back what they 
game for him. True, um, and if and if that's the scenario that they aim for, then I'm okay. I'm fine with that. It kind of seems like they were hoping to do that with Nielsen, maybe even this year. Uh, if well, I shouldn't say that. Um, well, yeah, next year, I, like I, this year coming up, like 2020, 2021. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. seems it seems like the plan was. Let him play out and in a tandem with Hogberg. And if he does well, flip him. Kind of seems like what they're doing. Because he's making like just over two mil, I think. So it'll be easy for a team to, to fit him in under the cap at the end of the year. And like if he gets like say he does like a nine ten, someone will spend a second round pick on him. Right? Yeah. And we got him for nothing. So or we got him for um Oh, what's his name? Begins with an M. He played for like a thousand different teams. He played for the uh, Texas Stars against the Toronto Marlies in the Calder Cup back in 2017 or 18, I think. We traded him to Vancouver for Nielsen. What was his name? I know all this stuff about him because when he was on Ottawa. What's that? Not Milan McCulloch. He was a goalie. Oh, you wait, you traded a goalie? Oh, shit. You can picture him too, eh? I can. Uh, I don't think it was this guy, though. Uh, I hear. Shit, all right. Yeah, no, I hear all of Nielsen to Ottawa. Mike McKenna. That McKenna. is the guy. Yeah, that was the guy I was thinking of. Mike McKenna, Tom Pyatt. Yeah, for Nielsen and yeah. something else, right? Or was it just Nielsen? For Nielsen and forward Darren Archibald. Which we just immediately sent right down to Belleville. Yeah. So, yeah, I knew it. I knew it was an M. I knew it. Because he retired at the end of that season. He his, did, yeah. Because he was he, – I'm pretty sure he played for like three or four different teams that year. Yeah, he, he, played for he Ottawa. Also, I think he was with Vancouver for like less than a week before he got claimed off waivers or something by the Flyers. Yes. And then his wife put out a tweet saying, a tweet saying how much she loves bouncing around so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the Senators, part of their, their issue this summer is they've only got 10 NHL um, contracts signed for next season. So they need to find 13 other players. And, well, 13 players, including the restricted free agents they have on their team. Which they have an abundance of. They have a ton of, yeah. like So, unrestricted free agents from the Senators this year. Scott Sabarin, I can't imagine they bring him back. That would they, I doubt it. Yeah, he got that contract for playing like three good play, uh, preseason games, and then I forgot about him entirely. He also got hurt for an extended period of time. He had a really, really scary hit with uh, David Backus. Oh, I was going to say, did, was he one get, w- did he get hurt from uh, that wicked burn Austin Matthews tossed on him? No, like Backus really awkwardly hit him, and Backus felt so bad about it that he was literally crying on the ice when oh, Saverin yeah. was down. Oh. Like, it was it was bad. It was just an accident, but, like, it was, oh, it was I, I do remember that, yeah. Uh, and then Matthew Pekka. Which we specifically got at from I think Montreal just for depth. So like, oh, I think you're talking. You're thinking of Mike Riley. 
No, oh, Mike Riley we got from Montreal, yes. Matthew Pekka, I forget who we got from, but we got him as depth because we got rid of uh, Pajot and Ennis. So we needed forwards. Oh, yeah, no, it looks like you got um, Pekka from Montreal too. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so yeah, unrestricted free agents got Scott yeah. Saturn, Mike Pekka on forward, and then defensemen. Ron Hainsey, Mark Borbietsky, who's leaving, and yeah. then goalie Craig Anderson. Those are all the unrestricted free agents. Yeah, and like Borbietsky, we already know, is going to free agency. Anderson's 39, so he might be just straight retiring. Yeah. Uh, Hainsey, we'll see. Hainsey is also 39. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'll retire, but no, I, don't I don't know if so he's going to come back to Ottawa either. Unless um, Ottawa is $3.5 again. Something that's going to eat up some of the Senators' cap space. Like, they're $18 million below the cap floor. Yeah, we have the most projective cap space of any team for the for next season. Yeah, do you know who the four teams are that are below the um, cap floor for next season? Uh, I mean, I am also looking at cap-friendly, so yes, I do. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, for the listeners <laughs> here, uh, Ottawa, uh, Detroit, Buffalo... Sorry, I'm not actually on the cap-friendly homepage here. You're right. It's Buffalo, and Buffalo. you have it in the correct order. Oh, yeah. Sorry. There was five teams total. Yeah. New Jersey has just under $5 million in, like, below the cap floor. And then the Colorado Avalanche. Isn't that fucking nuts? I was about to say, get fucked, Colorado. Yeah. They've got $22 million in cap space. They're below the floor for next season. I'm just going to it, do a quick li- little check of their page. They got to re-sign uh, the Choo Choo Train, Valerie Nuchiskin, uh, Colin Wilson, Matt Nieto. Ooh, they got to pay Tyson Jost, which might do a little bit. Sure. Um, Is it going to be $22 million a season? No. Uh, <laughs> Andre Burakovsky, who's just coming off a career year. Yeah. Uh, Mark Barbero. Ryan Graves will probably get a decent chunk of money. Nikita Zadorov, I mean, uh, maybe Kevin Connaughton? Oh, Kevin Connaughton? Yeah. And then uh, Michael Hutchinson. Oh, yeah. No, he's not making – they're not keeping him. No. So, at most, they're probably going to spend about 8 mil to – 8 to 12 mil on some of these guys they're re-signing. Yeah. Nuchiskin will probably be around 2.5. Nieto will probably be around 2. Jokes will probably be around three or four for like three or four years. Burakovsky might get five because he just had a really good year and is only 25. But then, okay, so we'll call it, we'll call it 14 mil to be safe. They still have friggin eight left, eight left. So are they going to get Taylor Hall or Alex Petrangelo or both or both? (laughs) Oh yeah, let's also not forget. Oh wait, never mind. That's already. I was about to say, let's not forget the uh, part of Tyson Berry's contract that they're holding on to. Yeah, that but that realized. that's gone. That yeah, that's that's already gone. Um. All right. Yeah. So all, all of this being said, Ottawa has a ton of. Um, they've got a ton of spending they have to do in order to get to the cap floor, uh, and spending is definitely something that the Senators are known for lately. So that's why I was kind of uh, intrigued by Ranta as being a possibility because even though his cap hit is just, you know, $250,000 more than his actual salary, like that's still 
money that's being saved for the team. And uh, I, I pulled up a list here of three players that I thought would be kind of intriguing to talk about the Senators uh, targeting this offseason. I say players, but it's also one of them is just a contract because he's not actually going to play. Uh, I know you already looked at our outline this uh, for today, right, Geeks? Uh, yeah. Go ahead, do your bit. Cool. Um, yeah, so the, the first player I have uh, as somebody that it would be interesting for the Senators to target just to uh, help them get to that floor without actually um, spending much money. So kind of my, uh, my thought process was looking at players that are making that whose cap hit is significantly higher than their actual salary. Uh, and significantly higher, it, for me, was like a million dollars or more. Yeah, understandable. Um, so the first player I, I had, or sorry, this is the contract, is uh, Henrik Zetterberg from the Red Wings. He's got a just just over six, uh, sorry, $6 million a season cap hit. But he is only actually getting paid $1 million and his uh, contract expires after this coming season. Um, he's obviously not playing. He didn't play last season. and it, Well, he's retired. He, well, he's not officially retired or else this would be off the books. True, but he, like, he's, he's, he's not, not playing, playing again. Yeah, it, effectively, he is retired. He just hasn't submitted his paperwork and stuff. It's an, yeah, he's yeah. on LTIR. Kind of the, the, the one um, detriment to this deal that I saw is that Detroit is obviously one of the other teams that's below the cap floor. And this coming season, with the economic uncertainty being what it is, they're probably more interested in holding on to that contract and not having to find $6 million of actual money to spend. So uh, the Red Wings may not be interested in actually moving that um, that contract anytime soon. But uh, what, what do you think about the Senators acquiring some players or contracts like that? I want to see what they do with their RFAs first, because the big three that I think they got to resign are Connor Brown, Anthony Duclair, and Chris Tierney. Yeah. Uh, those guys like Connor Brown and Chris and uh, Anthony Duclair, sorry, are probably going to make around the, high three to mid four mil range for about four years each, I would assume. A lot of people are saying both of them that they're going to get very similar contracts, like four over four type deal, um, which I'd be okay with. I mean, uh, both of them just had career years. They're both very good players that you can see fitting into the long term. But in that long term, they're not going to be top six like both of them are going to be third line players on this fully developed senators team uh chris tierney will be good if he keeps his cap hit under two and a half um rudolph balsers as well we got to resign and i think he'll probably come in at my guess would be one or two years at around like one one and a half mil just to see what he can do at the nhl level so after seeing what i mean put all those guys together and that's what 11 mil 10 mil you still got we a still, while to go still got 30 mil almost that we got to cover so yeah well up to the cap ceiling you guys are just trying to get to 60 right you're just trying to get to that floor true 
and like we had some of those like ghost contracts to begin with, right? Like we had MacArthur, we had Callahan, we're still paying Gabrick. You've uh, you've still got um, some Dion Phaneuf salary on here too. Yeah, but that's almost non-existent. Like I'm pretty sure that becomes one point le- three. It's almost one point four next season. Yeah, and then yeah, so it's I guess it's a fourth liner. So it's not nothing, but and then Marion Gabrick too. Four point four point eight. Four point eight. Four point eight. Yeah, oh, I thought it was four point two. Either way, but both of those, like that, uh, you know, that eighteen million is still taking into consideration that six and a bit million that those two guys who aren't playing are putting onto the cap. Yeah, so it's exactly. You've still got to get to eighteen million here, and you're not going to do that with. You know, Anthony Duclair, Chris Tierney, Connor Brown, unless you, unless they're overpay. signed to, yeah, like a huge overpays. Do that for one or two years, maybe. Connor Brown, league maximum for one year. Oh, yeah. Melnick's not doing that. Fuck no, because then he's actually got to pay him. All right. Um, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll go. But yeah. With I, I, I like the idea. I like what you're to actually answer your question. Yes. I like that idea of, getting these high cap hit low salary contracts because it just makes sense and the senators have been doing it for a few years now right like artem because well, they don't have any actual money to pay anyone yeah like artem anisimov is is that exact same situation um derek Broussard was the same goals. thing uh ottawa traded mika zabanajad who was due for like a pretty significant pay raise they traded him for derek Broussard, who was already signed and his salary was lower than his cap hit yeah Um, so the senators have been doing this for a few years now they're it's just kind of i think it's going to be harder to find those players this season or this off season and it's going to be hard to separate teams from them because a lot of teams are going to be trying to do the same thing where they're going to cut real money in the and try to inflate their cap hit yeah uh, but the next guy I have here is uh, Jeff Carter, who was kind of, I've, I was kind of surprised about. Um, his cap hit this coming season is, uh, or for the next two years, he signed for two more seasons, $5.2 million with an actual salary of $2 million. And like I said, it expires in 2022. Now, if I'm not mistaken... Jeff Carter has either a no trade or no movement clause. You are mistaken. He has neither of those. Really? Really. I couldn't believe it either. Oh, I totally just assumed he had one. I I would have assumed the same thing. And when I saw, unless Cap Friendly is mistaken, um, here I'm I mean, they're usually pretty on the ball. I know I'm I'm on the Kings page, and yeah, he doesn't have any protection. Wow. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's kind of an interesting one because, you know, you, you don't like to say that a, a player, after they've won a cup or two, they're like, all right, cool, now it's I'm just going to make my money and get out of here, but could very well be that situation. It would suck to go from, like, being on a losing team in L.A., California, living that lifestyle, and then all of a sudden have to move to Ottawa to be on an even worse losing team. Um but also, if you know, if you're not super concerned about it, then why the hell not? And also, he doesn't seem to have much say in the situation either. So, it would be an interesting um, 
an interesting deal to look at from a senator's perspective uh, to me, just because like that's, you know, $3.2 million that they don't have to pay him. And, you know, he's still a, an okay NHL player at 35. And two years left, like he, he can help out a lot of the younger players. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, and I mean, LA, if they get rid of Carter, they'll be under the cap floor, though, which is the issue. They need that, those contracts yes. as well. Yeah, and that was that was something else that I that was uh, kind of the one negative that I saw after digging into it was like, oh yeah, shit. Like, if the Kings uh, trade him away and they don't get any salary back in that deal, then they're back under the cap floor again, and then they're in the same situation that Ottawa just got out of. Um, so that is that is a hindrance to that deal, but it 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 would be an interesting to look an interesting thing to look at now where where's david backus now is he still on boston no he's in anaheim i had looked at him but he's got a no move clause or a no trade clause what yeah that's ridiculous it's, it's insane because he's a guy i know he's basically on lit or ltir uh, ltir thank you um well he, so he's he's basically um been reduced to like an enforcer now he's like a six million dollar enforcer yeah for however many years that contract's still going also you know what's nuts sorry i'm just going through a couple teams right now to try and find someone uh that might fit this this oh, mold I, that we're trying I to really, do i went through a huge list and these were these three guys the third guy here is the most interesting one and as you know as shocked as i am about like as shocked as I am, I'll, I'll say like, I think that the senators should actively look at acquiring this guy. Um, Who is it? I'm not looking at the sheet right now. It's Carl Alsner from the Montreal Canadiens. He's still under contract. Yeah. Two more years. What was he the one that signed that like five year deal and then immediately went to shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do remember that. And it was like for five mil or something. Uh, it's a four point six ca- uh, million dollar cap hit, uh, with three million of actual salary for the next two years. What's really, really interesting, though, uh, and is something that I think would make him really um, attractive to the Senators is that he has a one point five million dollar signing bonus this off season, um, and then for the coming season, it's one point five million dollars in salary. So if Montreal pays that signing bonus. Ottawa only owes him um, four and a half million over two years. Well, it's his um, his salary next season is three point five million with no bonuses. So they'd owe him five out of six and a half million. And like it, he's he's got a modified no trade clause, but he's been playing in the AHL basically the whole time he's been on this contract. The Senators have three defensive spots that they have to fill. And, you know, he's not a great defenseman. No. Really, Ottawa just needs some bodies, and they need somebody to um, inflate their their uh, salary cap hit. And 
he's a body with a cap hit that's higher than his salary and even higher than what Ottawa would have to pay him because Montreal should have already paid his $1.5 million signing bonus. Yeah, so he has the 1.5 base salary for this coming season and then the 3.5 mil base salary for the season after. So we'd be paying him $5 million for two years of service. Yeah. And for a cap hit of 9.2 over two years and um, actual money that he should have earned, like, like, sorry, he'd earn six and a half million dollars. He'd be on the salary cap for nine for 4.6 over two years or across two seasons. And then um, Ottawa would only pay him five out of six and a half million. Um, not, not even mentioning the fact that um, Montreal has got to be searching for a way to get this guy off of their books. Uh, yeah, because they're getting into a cap crunch soon. Well, they, they haven't been spending to the cap for the last few years, and they haven't been doing super well in terms of attendance from what I can remember. So, and I can't imagine that with, again, the economic uncertainty that we're living in, that their owner is super excited about paying an AHL defenseman three, three and a half million dollars a year. Yeah. So he's basically a negative value contract. So Montreal, in theory, should pay Ottawa to take him off their hands. In theory. In theory. Like, again, it may not be the, uh, the typical scenario this offseason, but... I think that Carl Alsner is a guy that the senators should go after because they could get him for basically nothing if they're not being paid to take him. Uh, and again, it's only this season and one more. And then he's yeah. gone. I'm just... The only issue I have with that is... Who, the kind of contracts... Who's he gonna take? Who's he gonna take a spot from? No, 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 no. I'm not like if we get him, we'd be burying him as well as Montreal. I but don't know. I I don't think you guys would be burying him in the AHL. I think okay, that, but I he's think, not playing in the NHL. Who are you? Who does Ottawa have that's going to be ahead of him? You have three uh, defensive spots right now that you've got to fill. Well, our and left you've side. You've got to spend some money on it too. Our left side is going to be Shabbat, Willan, and Riley. And our right side, we already have two of them with Artem Zub and uh, Nikita Zaitsev. So you could make the argument that Alsner fits into that uh, bottom pairing slot there, which, okay, sure, he might. But there's rumors that Brandstrom might be able to take that step next year. And I would much, if he is capable of taking that step, I'd much rather have him in the lineup than Olsner. Um, but in, in like a sixth defenseman role, like why bother then? Exposure, protected exposure. Yeah, but if you want Brandstrom to be a top four defenseman, just let him play as a top four defenseman in the AHL. Don't bring him up to the NHL and then um, shelter him because you're like, I, I don't trust you. Let him get that confidence and then bring him up and plug him into the same role. It's not about not trusting. It's about – because I, I believe that if your guy 
or your prospects, if you want them to be a central parts, you don't start them in that role right away because it puts too much pressure on them. Start them off a little lower in the lineup and then have them earn that spot. If he ends up playing better, okay, then you move him up into your top four. Because remember when Austin Matthews was first being um, talked about in Leafs rosters, people said he was going to be the third-line center, right? Because yeah. he's the young guy and it's his first real expo- real taste of NHL hockey. So you're not just going to fucking throw him in there because you expect him to be a number-one center because you don't expect him to be that right away. Brandstrom is a top-pairing defenseman in the AHL. We expect him to be a top-four defenseman in the NHL. But we're not just going to throw him into the top four role when he's not ready for it in the NHL yet. If he outgrows the AHL but isn't ready for his top potential role in the NHL, bring him to the NHL and just play him a little lower in the lineup. Yeah, but based off of what uh, went on this past season, he doesn't seem like he's ready for the NHL. He got a lot better as the year went on. Yeah, which is fair, but I still don't think he's ready for the NHL. He's, well, that's he, the thing. He, he, he's he, also has had, to, he has to dominate what? the AHL before he's ready. So the, the kind of player he is, he needs to dominate in the AHL. And then it's like, okay, now he's ready. And then maybe you're right. Maybe you start him off as like the fifth defenseman with some power play time. And then you move him up from there, depending on how things go. But you still need somebody to fill in that gap between now and then. And Ottawa really needs somebody to fill in that gap who also – takes up some uh, some salary space, but is cheap when it comes to actual money. Sure. And Alsner will definitely fill that role. But just with Brandstrom, we can't forget that he's going to have 10 months off before he plays a game, right? So in that 10 months, maybe he hones some skills and he's able to make that jump. And I would argue he did dominate in the AHL. He got a point per game as a 20-year-old defenseman. He was he's too good for the AHL. I, I, I shouldn't say that. Offensively, he's an elite AHL defenseman. His issue is working on the defensive side, which is where he would need to spend a bit more time in the AHL to condition and get proper hockey sense in his own end. But I think that if he's able to come into training camp and prove that he deserves some spot on the lineup, then he should get it. And if that's and you need that spot to be open for him to take it if he's ready. Because if he's ready now and we have Alsner on the books for two more years, then that's five million dollars we're going to be paying a guy to take a spot from a prospect that's going to be ready. Because if Alsner has two more years, like you said, so it's not just this year whose spot he might be taking out of; it'll be next year as well when he's making more money. Well, he'll be making more money. He'll be making up a more role. actual money, but his salary cap hit will still be the same. Well, yeah, but still, that's how that's how the team will look at it, right? We're paying him two million dollars more in next season, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, to take up a roster spot from this guy who is very much ready. They they may very well look at it that way, and I'd say it would be a mistake. Like for starters. You know, they've got Mike Riley in here. He's he's their third highest paid defenseman. Is Mike Riley a top four defenseman? No, but you know who is? Christian Wallanen. Okay. So you have three top four defensemen. Brandstrom uh, could Ar- Brandstrom Artem could, Zub is not on cap friendly right oh now. Oh no, okay. 
So yeah, if if Ottawa, he he's the like Russian free agent you guys signed, right? Yeah, he's the same age as Thomas Shabbat. He's twenty three. Okay. Yeah, so he could very well slot in at the NHL level. Um, I still think that Carl Alsner could be a, a decent fit for Ottawa, just in terms of he's a warm body, and his cap hit is higher than his actual salary. See the kind of contract, and it's think- it's only it's only two years. It's only this season and one more. Yeah, he, but I don't. He's got a you, he's got a modified no trade clause, which may suck. But you know what? If he can come to Ottawa and play some games and show that he can still hang, then maybe they can trade him for, you know, a dollar. True, bucks. but I I don't think you understand how close a lot of these prospects are, especially on defense, to making the NHL. And I think that you've got your rose-colored Sens glasses on and you're really um, giving a lot more credit to a lot of young players when they may not necessarily be ready for it. I think the only player on defense out of our prospects that could be ready next year is Brandstrom. I think the year after that, there's going to be two or three players that could be in the NHL that aren't currently. And then at that point, you've got one year left of Carl Alsner. And, like, you know, it'll suck for Melnick to eat three and a half million bucks, but that's the cost of doing business in the NHL, too. Yeah, but it's Melnick. He's going to take a guy who's like who's on LTIR and whose contract is insured so that he has to pay even less. Yeah. That's why we got Callahan, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, though, like a Zetterberg contract, it would be someone that I think would be more likely. Because it just means Melnick pays less. The, pro- Alsner- the problem is, is that there's like three Zetterberg contracts in the league, and they're all with teams that are going to keep them. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you you, I- you need to find some other players, and with the Senators, they need to find some like Ottawa. I, I'm looking at it right now. Like, how many guys do they have under contract that are over thirty? One, two. I think it's like six or seven. Two. Yeah, oh. It is Bobby Ryan oh. and Artem Anisimov. Yeah, because Hainsey, Borvietsky, and Anderson don't count anymore. Yes. So right. Ottawa has two players under contract for next season that are – or sorry, and uh, Nilsson, so three. Three players that are 30 years of age or older. They need some other veterans in there, even if they're not good players. Yeah, so who would you say, sorry? Ryan, Anisimov, and, and Nilsson. Nilsson. Yeah. I mean, you, you Mike can't, Riley, I, Mike as, Riley as much as I love, as much as I love to do it in NHL 20, you can't just throw out a, a team full of like 26 and 27 year olds. Well, 26, 27 is the new veteran, right? Yeah. But you, you need some guys that are also in, in their early thirties because, you know, as somebody that's turning 30 this year, there is a huge um, difference in terms of mentality between somebody that's around 30 and somebody that's, you know, in their 23, 30s. 24, just like there's a huge difference in terms of like mentality uh, between like a 24 year old and a 19 year old. You do a lot of maturing between those ages and you, you need some of those guys around that can help the younger players. Even if they're 25, 26, you need a lot of those players that can um, set them set some things straight for some of the younger players. Like, yeah, 
you you need some of those guys in the room that can um take on leadership roles and uh and do some teaching as well yeah okay i um i think that when it comes to those contracts i think what ottawa is going to do is they may overpay some free agents for a year kind of like what they did with ron hainsey and i think that'll be the route they go because that way they don't need to get rid of any assets uh, and then that way they can control or have better control over the actual um, years and length of the contract. Like, I haven't looked into the free – I probably should. I haven't looked into the free agents, but I know Pierre Dorian said that he's going to target free agency for those veterans. He said that in his end of year or uh, in one of his press conference press conferences. So to me, to get those contracts to get us closer to the cap, some of those contracts to get us closer to the cap floor, that's a bigger tongue twister than I thought it was. I think to get those contracts, he's going to go the free agent route. And I think uh, for trades, I think he's going to stick to just getting draft picks and young players when it comes to trading. Yeah, fair. It, it just means he's going to have to sign a lot of guys or – like some ridiculous one-year contracts and then the problem with that is that it's going to be hard to move some of those players at the deadline this year you have to sign them for two years yeah um but yeah um we're running out of time so i i just want to hit on our next thing quickly like super quick um Darren Dreger and Pierre Lebrun have both said this week that uh, if he doesn't re-sign in St. Louis, Petrangelo is uh, most interested in joining Toronto or Vegas as an unrestricted free agent. Um, do you think either scenario is likely in any way? Uh, likely, no. Yeah. Um, like Toronto would have to do some massive trades and massive um uh, contract movement in order to make the cap space required to sign a guy like Petrangelo. Or he has um, to take an outrageous um, ho- like hometown discount type thing. Like he, He's got to play for a million dollars next season. Yeah, and I heard that the lowest St. Louis wants to go is like 8 mil or something. Lowest? You mean highest? Mm, yeah, highest. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, the, the lowest of the team wants to pay him? Is that much? Like that seems... It seems like the lowest lowest team would want to pay his league men. Ah, geez, yeah. Like maybe the Leafs should call them up and be like, "Yeah, hey, what's the lowest you'll trade for Andreas Janssen? Four first round picks? Ah, man, drive a hard bargain. Yeah, you do drive a pretty hard bargain there. Okay, tell you what, we can do it for five. (laughs) Yeah, like in Vegas, like they have less than five mil in cap space to begin with. They, it seems like they may move on from Flurry so that they can try and re-sign Leonard, and I think Leonard will be their big free agent signing for the year. Yeah, but then the case is, how the hell do you move Flurry? Uh, hey, what? Oh, hey, let's take a look at his salary compared to his cap hit and see if Ottawa could take him. I, I highly doubt it. I do as well, but you know what? I'm it pretty is- sure his cap hit is the exact same as his salary, and I'm. Also pretty sure there's a decent signing bonus in there. Marc-Andre Fleury, no signing bonus. Okay, uh, or I'm totally wrong. Uh, next year, six and a half mil base salary. The year after, six mil base salary. Okay, he his, is cap not is, coming, yeah, his cap hit is seven. Yeah. He is not coming to Ottawa. No. 
besides, like I said, when we were talking about Ranta and Kemper, this is the year to see what our goalies have and see where they're at. And it, this next season is going to be a straight evaluation year for the Ottawa Senators. They're going to evaluate the guys they have, who can hang and who can't, who will fit into the long-term picture and who doesn't. Uh, like I mentioned Balsers, the guy I forgot to mention is Vitaly Abramov to see where he fits in because he's getting up there in age when it comes to talking about prospects. So I think, I think these contracts are that they are going to use to get to the cap floor, like I said, will be in free agency. And um, I don't know who Vegas could move a guy like Flurry to. I'm sure they could find someone or they're just going to get boned and lose Leonard. Because Leonard's going to look for long-term, right? He wanted to get long-term this past season and didn't get it. Well, there, there was a report earlier this week or over the weekend or late last week, something where um, he had agreed in principle to a contract. He denied it afterwards, but uh, they were saying uh, five years, like $5 million per was the contract that uh, supposedly, that a, yeah, like that's a pretty reasonable deal. That's a very good deal for a guy who was nominated for the Vesna last year and had an almost 920 save percentage on the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. I'd say and every game he won in the playoffs was a fucking shutout. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of Petrangelo going to Toronto or Vegas, I think that's incredibly unlikely. Both teams have 18 NHL players or NHL contracts signed. Uh, so they've only got space for five more. And the Leafs only have $6.1 million in cap space, and Vegas has less than five, like you said. So both teams would have to move out quite a bit of money to bring in Petrangelo, or he'd have to play for nothing. Um, I think I said it earlier, but like the, the team he's got to go to is Colorado. Who? Leonard? Or no, Flurry, uh, sorry? Uh, Petrangelo. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, I was not paying attention there. <laughs> um, yeah. How disappointing would it be to see Kale McCarr go from a point per game to like a 50 point over 82 game player because he's playing behind Petra Angelo. Like if Colorado is able to get him, they're automatically the cup favorite for next year. Right. Well, I think they're probably a cup cup favorite regardless. Um, Uh, They need to improve either on their defense or their goaltending. And they've got the cap space to do both. I think an interesting trade would be sending Grubauer or Francois over to Arizona for one of Ranta and Kemper. Well, they don't even have to trade anybody. They, they can just go into free agency and sign somebody. Like, I, I don't think Braden Holtby is what he used to be. Um, but he, even still, he's kind of interesting to put in Colorado just because of his, his pedigree. Um, some other guys, let me just pull up a the um, unrestricted free agent list here. Oh, there's uh, Jakob Markstrom or Jacob Markstrom. Sorry. Yeah, Jacob Markstrom. Um, shit. I've just got to do it for goalies here. One sec. Goaltenders. Let's see. Update. And yeah, Braden Holtby, I, I think is a pretty big risk. He had a terrible season last year. Well, he's going to ask, he's going to ask for like Vasilevsky money at nine mil and yeah, some, that's, that's bad. but I don't think he's going to get that because of the, the flat cap and COVID and everything else. Yeah. Corey Crawford. Uh, I think he's staying in Chicago. Robin Lehner uh, is likely staying with Vegas and then Craig Anderson. 
Um, Probably retiring. I, yeah, if he's if he doesn't retire, he's I see him going somewhere as a backup. Jimmy Howard sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, J- Jacob Markstrom would be the next best guy, I would think. And then it, you're getting into like Thomas Grice. Even still, though, Thomas Grice ain't bad. That's a yeah, solid one B. Yeah, that's an interesting one because then if you team him up with um, with Grubauer, Grubauer, you've got a couple of guys that can split time and. You know, I don't think that's a terrible idea. You've got a GG pairing, Grubauer and Grice. Yeah, and then after that, apart from Anton Hudobin, who is absolutely staying in Dallas after this, yeah. uh, I don't see anybody else that I would want uh, in the net on my team. Uh, maybe Ryan Miller. Uh, Half backup. decent backup. Yeah, like you play him like 10 to 15 games a season. Like, not ideal, but... Um, now, yeah, now we're getting into Garrett Sparks territory here. So let's, yeah, that's yeah, we're, we're at the end of the good goalies list for sure. I, it seems like a lot of teams in the league are going to move towards the one, a one B tandem over the starter backup role. Well, it, makes, kind of split it, the yeah, it makes more sense. Yeah. They're probably going to split the games more of a 45, 40 than a 60, 20. Yeah. And those goalies are a lot more cost effective, right? Like you can have a tandem of two, like look at Arizona. They have a tandem of two goalies making less money than Carey Price. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then you look at Montreal who's spending almost $15 million in their goalies. Well, you know, they've got the space to do it and it's only for one season. Yep. Which is good because after this season and, it's either after this season or next. They're going to have to hand out some massive contracts to guys like Cockney Emmy, uh, Nick Suzuki. Uh, Cole Caulfield hasn't even started his contract yet, so he's not on that list. But Montreal, Montreal is going to be a scary team pretty soon. Um, I don't know why, but I just wanted to mention that. I'm getting real tired. Like It's almost 9 o'clock here right now, and my brain's really shutting off. Oh, yeah, well, then we're just in time here, Keeks. Uh, we're going to bring back the uh, double agent game for this week. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, I didn't know if you were going to do this. I saw it on the outline, but you had it on last week's as well. And we yeah, I, I just never take it off because I. it's been a while, so I'll go through the rules again quickly. Um, the double agent game, we've adapted it from an adaptation on another podcast. Um, we took it from Puck Soup. They changed uh, Doug Benson's Leonard Malton game uh, and made it uh, fit for hockey. So what's going to happen here is I've got a list of every player that has ever played for both the Senators and the Leafs. Uh, Keegan has to guess which player I've chosen uh, via random number generator. And there are 13 clues that, that I give to him. Uh, I automatically give him the first three for each player after i give the first three clues keegan has to bet how many more clues it will take before he thinks he will correctly guess the player and you can play along on our instagram story uh beat keegan for a mention on the next episode so as a refresher the first three categories that i give out will be the player's current age the number of the total games they've played in their nhl career and their most recent team. After that, uh, you will get the amateur team, the player's height and weight, their draft position, draft team, the years they played in the NHL, 
combined points they scored with Ottawa and Toronto, their nationality, my personal opinion of their best season, either their Sens or Leafs jersey number, and then finally, every team they have ever played for. So Keegan, I already ran the random number generator earlier today. So I've got three mystery players here and you get to decide between A, B, or C. I think the, the only time I have gotten it correct, I think I chose B. So let's do that again. Let's go B. You, you know what? Like, you've got to, like, we'll see. I'm not going to say too much. It, it, it's a pretty good week for you to be brain dead is what I'll say. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> so wait, sorry, you uh, said B? Yeah, B. Okay. Are you ready, Keegan? As ready as I'll ever be, Jordan. Okay. This player, uh, his current age is 35 years old. His total career games played in the National Hockey League is 552. And he most recently played for the Ottawa Senators. How many more clues will it take you to guess this player correctly? Six. Six clues. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. So you're going to get it on his combined Ottawa and Toronto points. Maybe sooner, but we'll see. (laughs) Hopefully sooner for you. He said he played a career 500 games. 552. Cool. Let's hear him. Okay. Um, Question. Yeah. Was or is the. Oh, wait. No, no, no. No, I'm good. Never mind. Forget I ask anything. Okay. Let's hear the first clue. First clue uh, his amateur team was the Medicine Hat Tigers of the Western Hockey League. I only knew who Medicine Hat Tigers were because I'm pretty sure current Senators prospect Mad Sogard's playing on it. Doesn't help me here, but. Something that I remembered. Go ahead. That does not help, as okay. always. Here's another clue that doesn't help you. Uh, yeah. He is six feet, 192 pounds. Oh, cool. He's hockey player size. Yay. Yeah. All right. Next clue, please. Next clue. Uh, he was drafted in the third round, 74th overall. Okay. Said so he's currently 35? 35. Okay. Uh, next clue. He was drafted by the Buffalo Sabres. Ooh, shit. That's not going to help me. Currently 35. Most recently played for Ottawa. He's played just over 500 games. Drafted by Buffalo in the third round. If he's 35 now. So it would have been about 13, no, not 13, be 10, 15, about 18 years ago. So early 2000s, drafted by Buffalo in the third round. Does not help me. Next clue. The years he played, 2007 to 2017. Well, it's not Stahlberg because he was drafted by Toronto. Okay, who was... 
Okay, I can get this. Who was on Ottawa's playoff run in 2017 that's no longer with the team? Um, um, everybody. Except Bobby Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, okay, I can do this. I can do this. All right, let's start at the top. Their top line was Turris, Stone, and Hoffman. No, nah, it's none of them. Um, it was Ryan, Pajot, Zach Smith. None of them. Stahlberg, but he was drafted by Toronto in the first round, so it's not him. Uh, Burroughs never played for Toronto. No, he played for Vancouver and then Ottawa. Um, Shit, who else was on that team? Uh, who was on defense? The defense was uh, Carlson, Mathot, Borvietsky. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? I can see his face. Frederick Cleason, because he was on. Cleason was screening Anderson on the Kunitz goal that kicked Ottawa out, and it pissed me off. Um, oh, <laughs> I know I can get it. I know I can get it. Give me combined points. Okay, this is your last clue before you lose. Are you sure you want this one right now? Yeah, because I, I feel like I'm getting close, but I need it. I, I need that combined points. Okay, combined Ottawa and Toronto points, 216. Ah, so he was a decent contributor. Okay, okay. I was drafted by Buffalo. I was about to be like, Dion Phaneuf. And then I was like, wait, no, it was not Phaneuf. Yeah, Dion, well, yeah, I guess he was with Toronto long enough to be able to put up some numbers, but not with Ottawa. So not. Also, you, you, you've got to bank on him scoring 200 points as a Leaf there. Yeah, really. Um, who are the forwards? Who, did we, who else did we get in that Phaneuf trade? Oh, we got Phaneuf. We got Fratton. Um... Oh, I know we I know who we sent you guys because we sent you Greening, Cowan, McCulloch. I think we sent you Tobias and Lindbergh as well in like a second round pick. Um fuck. I know I can get it. I know I can get it. You absolutely can get it. <laughs> and it I, of- I'll I'll tell you there's probably 75% of the people listening, so you know, three out of four um are screaming this player's name at their phone car stereo whatever they're listening on oh i i bet they are but that does not help me you're gonna feel so fucking stupid when i tell you who it is i always feel so fucking stupid when you tell me who it is yeah but you're gonna feel the most stupid with this one (laughs) if you don't get it that is who else was there okay who am i missing i gotta be missing a forward or something who because that was a crazy year. That was the magic, magical year. Because uh, that was the year that Craig Anderson's wife was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Um, oh, it's Clark MacArthur. Yes, it's Clark MacArthur. Yes, because he came back at the end of that year. Yeah. He came back at the end of the year. Yeah, it's Clark MacArthur. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Very good job. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I knew it because that was that was Ottawa got to the conference final based off complete magic. Yeah. Because Anderson was playing out of his mind and the team had the huge boost when MacArthur came back. And MacArthur got the series winning goal in round one against Boston in overtime. And that like Ottawa rode that high to just plow through the Rangers. 
Yeah, I would have been real mad if I didn't get that one. <laughs> yeah. I I'm been sure, real mad. like, the, the next clue would have been he's Canadian, and then his best season mm. was 2010, 2011. You would have gotten it on he wore number 16 for the Senators. Or, and Leafs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would have gotten it by then. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, make sure that you're following the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at LittleHockeyPod. You can follow me, Jordan, on Twitter at the letter J S M A L L 1771. That's J Small 1771. You can follow Keegan on Twitter at L I L underscore Little 28. Um, please make sure that you're subscribed to the show on your uh, podcasting app, whatever you're listening on. Um, rate and review us uh, on Apple Podcasts if you can. If you can't, if you're listening on like Stitcher or what you know, whatever other apps or platforms let you comment, please, 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 please do so. Um, and uh, rate us five stars if you like the show. Again, all of this helps other people find us. And finally, if you could smash the uh, follow or subscribe button, just follow, unfollow, refollow. Just keep doing that whenever you open up your app because that'll help us climb up in the algorithms. And uh, it'll again, it'll make it easier for other people to find the show. And when more people listen, we can start upgrading our hardware and it'll uh, make it sound a lot better for all of you. So uh, Keegan, do you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, not really. I mean, we're, oh, we're like, what? 20 days away or yeah 20 days from the nhl draft yeah so i'm excited about that and i'm excited to ramp up some draft talk uh other than that i hope that tampa beats the islanders because i don't want a new york dallas cup final yes please 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 go tampa um because that'll be the only i think the only two series that i guess right in this entire playoff so uh yeah yeah, please, for the sake of our sanity, Tampa, please get into the finals and then also beat the Stars. That's what we need. That's what yeah. this world needs in 2020 is the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup, please. Yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't it just make perfect sense that Tampa wins the Cup when so little people give a fuck about it? <laughs> Well, I think it would uh, be more perfect that the Stars win it in that case because then we can do the same thing that we did with the 2006 Cup and just be like, huh, what? No, we just didn't play that one. Carolina didn't win it. No, nobody won it. That was such a weird one. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for us. Uh, so again, please uh, rate and review, uh, subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll catch you later, everybody. Bye. What a finish!